live. It's another episode of Budget Podcast. My name is Nancy Odimegu. Good to have you join us as always. Uh, so for today's episode here, yeah, we'll be discussing education funding in Nigeria, issues and options for improvement. And to delve into this topic, I'm not alone. I have with me the head of Open Government and Institutional Partnership in the person of Tolu Tokwe Abunloye. And I also have the team lead, Edu Planner, Oriyomi Ugunwale. Oriyomi. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm well, fine. And you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, so Nigeria's education has been here and there. In the last 20 years, the system of education has been deteriorating and has not functioned at its optimal level now due to lack of adequate funding. Now, one can arguably say that funding is one of the biggest problems in Nigeria's education system, uh, but many people... This, they only hear it, but they cannot contextualize it. So um, let's have Tolu on this one. Tolu, can you please give us a brief context around allocations and disbursements to Nigeria's education system, especially within the last five years? So, okay. Um, so this has to do with data. And um, in order for us to have a, a big understanding of what has been budgeted to the education sector, whether we decide to add UBEC funds, or we take out UBEC funds, we'll discover that um, the allocation to the education sector over the last five years is still within um, eight to um, six percent. So yeah. we haven't yet hit that um, double figure yet. So in 2015, the total allocation to the education sector was 483.1 billion and the total budget size that we had for the federal government budget was 4.49 trillion now if you do that math you discover that you're still having somewhere around maybe eight percent and likes but if you decide to add UBEC funds to hit then we are eating 10.8 percent you know for 2016 um 480.2 billion was allocated to the education with a budget size of 6.07 trillion that is up 7.9 percent 2017 we had 454.6 billion while the budget size is 7.29 trillion and if you do the percentage allocation that's 6.2 now in 2018 you know the figure kept on dropping and on and on and on up to 2021 where for the approved budget um we are having 771.46 billion with a total budget size of 13.58 trillion now okay. if you do the percentage allocation you're getting 5.68 percent now those wonderful figures uh shows that okay yes there might be an increase because right from 2015, you had maybe 483, but come to 2021, you had an allocation of 771.4 billion to the education sector. However, the percentage shows that it is dropping because what you're measuring against is the total budget size. Mm. And the total budget size is also increasing. And then you discover that little amount is really going to the education sector. Now, in terms of releases, the recurrence might not be where we need to focus our attention at because whether we like it or not, whether we have a budget passed 
or approved, the recurrent has to keep on running. But our attention would go straight right to the capital allocation. So in 2015, the capital allocation to the education sector was 23.52. What was released was 13.83, right? And what was utilized was 13.03. So we still had a difference of 796 million naira in terms of between what was released and what was utilized. Yeah. In 2016, 35.4 billion was the allocation to capital expenditure to that's for the education sector what was released was 22.6 billion what was utilized was 20.8 billion now if you just calculate the difference which means we have a difference of 1.8 billion for 2017 56.7 billion was the allocation to the education sector in terms of capital mm -hmm. what was this was at 3.4 billion. What was utilized was 31.6. So the difference keeps, keeps going on. 2018, where we had huge amounts, 102, but what was released was 63.02. What was utilized was 46.5 billion. So the difference shows that there is what 16.5 billion error, you know? So you can go on and on and you discover that um, it does not uh, commensurate with whatever that was allocated yeah. and whatever that was released. There are lots of huge gaps between these, these figures. So that's where we are in terms of um, allocation to the education sector and the disbursements. Uh, thank you very much, Dolo. Now let's come to the subnational level. Um, you know, the responsibility of primary education falls within state government oversight, right? So let's have a real me on this one. What are the issues now regarding education at the subnational level? And why do you think the state government is not doing enough? Oriomi? I think um, one of those things uh, we, we can look at when it comes to education, especially in a nation like Nigeria, for a responsible nation or a responsible government. What they are supposed to be thinking of is declaring a state of emergency in the education sector. But that has not been done. And if you look at the figures Tolu has um, actually shared, you discover how much um, is still not being done yet. But in terms of uh, improving education or increasing access to education for mm -hmm. citizens, where we need to start from is to look at what are the needs, what do we want to address in the education sector, and we now need to do some bit of needs assessment. This okay. is what we then guide policy formulation. After policy formulation is what you can then say, how much is needed to actually implement this policy, so that you can set targets at the end of the day to say, this is what we want to achieve with this funding. With this required fund, we'll achieve this. Okay. What we've had in a nation like Nigeria is we just keep throwing money around with no specific goal. So at the end of the day that we are sharing this money, we are not planning to achieve anything, which is what is now coming back to underfunding. And you can see that from underfunding, you now see that 50% um, of the funds is not even being released at the end of the day. So that has put us at the state where we are in the education sector. And when you come to the subnational, which are the state governments now, 
and I like to say um, state governments feed on what the federal government is doing. Yes. You know, you can play the you can play the piper at the federal level to say this is what we want to achieve. I can imagine one day if we have a government that comes into power and says we want the education sector to be prioritized in the next four years, and these are the things that I want to do in my administration as a president. And it takes that initiative. There's not how it's going to continue to embark on different programs and state governors, the subnationals will not feed from that and say we will also follow suit. Do you understand now? So when you look at the FEDRA itself, it's not doing enough. Then when you go to the subnational, you then discover there's this lethargy, there's this inability to want to do much even in the education sector let me come in here now um you earlier mentioned that the federal government may not be doing enough but then the federal government have also provided assistance regarding education because we have the ubec for example and there's a commitment that the respective state governments will have to show before they can access their ubec funds but then you find out that despite the availability of the funds the funds are not being assessed by the state government so that brings us to one question now what is the issue and why are the states not accessing the fund because that is a support from the federal government's end So um, when we look at um, how UBEX, UBEX is 2% of the consolidated uh, revenue fund, which is from taxes of um, corporate organizations in Nigeria. That's given to UBEX to actually use to renovate schools, to do capital projects at the state level. When you look at this fund, it was supposed to be 50% um, support from the federal government, 50% from the states. So the states submit their proposals depending on their action plan on a yearly basis to say, we want to embark on a 100 billion naira project. We need 50 billion from the federal government who also provide 50 billion to implement this project. That's how UBEC funding works. But, you know, in, in a nation like Nigeria, and that's why I like the earlier question that we asked, which is about a culture of neglect towards education, which is, is what is also showing up here in UBEC funding. When it started, you see a lot of states came in and assessed these funds. Yes. By the next year, they assessed it. Not all the states came back. For, for like the first four years, the three states were assessing it. By the fifth year, it reduced to 30 states. As at the time of 2019, 2018, you're having like 17 states so what, what's the UBEC issue? Fund. Why, why, why is it so dropping? The, the, the issue, the issue, the issue there is um, UBEC discovered that um, most state governors or state government officials now use it as racketeering. So this is what happens. Mm. They come to UBEC to say we need 100 billion, we need 50 billion from you, who will provide 50 billion. What UBEC discovered is the 50 billion counterpart funding from state governors mm. are actually a ruse. Do you understand? They are not actually okay. true. So what they do is they provide this funding at the beginning to UBEC. They show it to UBEC that this is the account that okay. wants to use for UBEC projects. And they show it to the government, to UBEC that this is what we'll be using. And they will say, oh, this is the funding. This is the money inside. Exactly. So it is when CBN confirms that the money is in that account, that's when UBEC will release, release. its own counterpart funding. 
Okay. Yes. So, but what they now discovered along the line is once you back released their own fund, they pull out the fund. The initial that one that they deposited put. into the account. Exactly. They, they pull it out. Wow. Then they then do some bit of short. In short, not even beyond that, they then discovered that these projects are not even properly implemented. So you see cases of corruption, traces of mismanagement of funds over the years. And they now see that even state governors or state government officials are not taking responsibility. Mm. So that then make them to make the process to be more stringent. They then ensure that they have to pass their checks and balances before they release these funds. And that is why you see states now start dropping out. They start dropping out. Start yeah. Dropping out. Um, okay. Okay. That explains it. Is, um, yeah. A case study is um, a state, for mm. example. Before now, Ekiti State was going like um, I think four, five, six, seven years. Can't be specific. I know like six years. Do you understand? When the current governor got into office, that was one of the first thing he did, which comes back to uh, the culture of education neglect I mentioned earlier. When he got into power, he then provided a counterpart funding that made them assess the U-Bank funding that they've not assessed over yeah. the years. So this is the this is the challenge, the reason why you back um unassessed funding over the years. All right. Thank you very much, Riyomi. So let, let's talk about out-of-school children now and the way the number in Nigeria keeps increasing day by day. Atolu, we'll have you on this one. Now, according to UNICEF, yeah, um, Nigeria has about 10.5 million out-of-school children as of 2019. I mean, no doubt, this figure is like a time bomb. Any minute from now, it explodes. What does the government have to do to address this situation? Wow. So the out-of-school children data... Um... <laughs> Uh, God. see, the situation <laughs> is just so, it's so, as in, I, I, I'm looking for the right words to use so that um, at least this podcast will be, will be friendly enough. Yeah. But then, in order for us not to mind sport, I think it is just necessary for us to know that a country like ours will be having a larger percentage of the out-of-school children in the world, despite all the um, the work that the last administration puts in place in terms of, because now they decided to name the out-of-school children Amalgeries. Now, the Amalgeries, I know there were lots of programs that uh, um, former president puts in place, you know, building of um, schools, even using using the Islamia, um, yes, Islamia, um, Islamia. Is, yeah, you know they they were able to do all that in order to ensure that that number reduced. But then, um, so far so good. The just has that huge number now. Based on the current situation that we are facing in the country, mm-hmm. um, insecurity. I'm sure that by the time maybe MBS or Maybe they get funding and they carry out a survey. Um, I'm sure the number would have increased now because, um, as a parent, I wouldn't want to send my child to a school knowing fully well that he or she will be kidnapped. It's not safe, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I rather tell my child to stay at home. Aside from the security that we have in the country, the political will from 
the state government. Now, it is the responsibility of the state government to provide primary education to the citizenry. The federal government is only is only supporting. So the UBEC fund is an intervention fund. So state governments do not have that zeal or do not know that, oh, this is my primary function. I need to provide. And if you're not doing enough as a state governor, it simply means that you failed your responsibility and you failed even the children that we claim that are leaders of tomorrow. Kaduna has been doing great in terms of allocation, even the capital. So when Kaduna State publishes um, the, the resources going to the education sector, capital expenditure is always higher than the recurrent, and which is really a great, a great um, uh, um, initiative in terms of allocation. So in maybe some states who have recurrent higher than the capital, but for Kaduna State, the capital expenditure is always higher than the recurrent. And it simply shows that that is a priority of that particular governor. Mm. And so every other state needs to key into that. Because the moment you show your priorities that, oh, education is one of it. And for you to even have a, 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 a forward-thinking um, um, citizen or indigenous of the state, you need them to be what educated and they need to be healthy so you need those two things they need to be educated they also need to be healthy so you need to provide these basic amenities to them in order for them to be able to what, develop the state as um as um as you rightly want all right thank you thank you very much so um looking at public data now public data and education right one of the arguments is that lack of holistic education data makes it very difficult to appraise the performance of the sector. So um, for Oriomi, what do you think can be done so that government can focus more on data-driven policies in the sector? For us to address out-of-school children, we need to know um, the basic data sets that guides this policy yes. that we want to use to address. Because that is, I like to say, when you are doing a mathematics question, for example, whatever data, whatever the question that you are being asked, no matter how tedious it is, you always say it's equal to. And um, what you have is whatever the challenge is facing the education sector, whatever myriad, whatever form it wants to take, the is equal to in the education sector is actually out of school children. Mm -hmm. Out of school children is like the feedback that you get. Because the truth is, because I get to work on the field a lot, especially in schools, and you see parents and their kids, you know, a community school, for example, a public school in a community, you see yeah. mothers who are going out with their children, maybe a mother just packed to a new community, for example, and he or she is looking for a school that a child will attend. When they are going out in the evening time, around 5.30, 5 o'clock, in the evening, just moving around the community. And the mother passes by a public school, for example. Mm -hmm. The mother will say, would you like to go to this school? He or she will be like, no, I don't want to go to this school. And that is the truth. Because I can bet you that school will be in a state that the child will not be proud of. 
And one thing that, that I've discovered on the field is the schools in urban areas are at least to some extent very, very okay. Unlike when you move to the rural, rural areas. Yes. Yes. Then you will see schools and you cry. I, hmm. I remember going into a school as as tall as I am. I know you've not met me before, but if you see <laughs> as tall as I am, I had to bend down again. To enter like, inside. Wow. <laughs> to enter inside the classroom. So it's it's a it's a funny scenario, and we we tend to look at the education sector as this sector that we can just throw mega allocations to, and that is why where we are as a nation, and that is why. 10.5 million school age children are telling us that we don't want to go to this type of schools. And that is why they would rather remain out of school than be in the classroom. And uh, the, one of the truths is that that is even not the true figure, but let us say that is the official data. Now, what can be done is that state government must begin to prioritize. They must begin to prioritize education in their state and say to themselves that this is what we want to do. But for them to do that, you can't just drop a policy on its own. It has to be backed up by data. And when you come to data, there's what we call the Education Management um, Information System, EMIS. EMIS is something that every nation should have. It's something that should be open sourced. If I want to assess the EMIS for the United States, for example, I can assess it. If you want to assess for New York, you can assess it. If you want to okay. access for the different states, you can access it. It's not there, there is no running around about it. it. It contains the number of classrooms, the number of teachers, the number of desks, the number of chairs, the number of um, instructional materials, the number of textbooks. These mm. are data that will help you to inform, that will inform Clean you data. that this is the number yeah. that is remaining. This is what we need to intervene into at this time. Okay, why don't we? We've tried in this aspect in the last five years and we've built the numbers up. Why don't we focus on this? Why don't we focus on textbooks? Why don't we focus on computers? Why don't we focus on instructional materials? Mm. These are data that will actually inform you of that. Real-time data is the enrollment increasing. Is the number of children who are completing classes every day. Are they mm. increasing or are they decreasing? Mm. Now that we've started school feeding program, are children going to the classrooms more? Are they learning more? Are they mm. passing their STEM uh, courses? Are they passing the science courses, the technology courses, their mathematics and English very well at this time? What yeah. is the factor? What caused it for it to increase? So there are a lot that data can do for you. But what you then have is Nigeria does not like data. And that is, <laughs> let us just... We don't like data or we don't have we data. Don't, no, we don't like data. So we don't have data have because data. we don't even want data. <laughs> we don't want data. We okay. don't. Maybe, maybe for for the for we in the CSO space. But when it comes to government officials, they don't want it. These are the challenges. The first challenge is we don't want data. But there's also why I now understand because I've had to work with you back, have some discussions with them, and they they share their challenges with me in, in the sense that you see that. We we actually was wanted to get action plan from UBEC, which is central, which is at the federal level. And mm. we said, can you give us this thing? They said, no, we cannot give it to you. You need to go to the respective states and go and ask them. Because 
there is now the, 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 the challenges of the different types of data, the official data, the political data, the unofficial data, the real data, you can, you know, the data okay. is now in segments. Yeah. So you, you, you then begin to, to look at those challenges that they have to face and you want to build a, a central education management system that will actually inform you to take better decisions in terms of reducing um, things like hours for children in Nigeria. So these are the challenges and yeah. data still needs to be improved upon the culture and which is something that has been done with FOI. FOI, the FOI Act, for example. Yeah. Exactly. That said that um, government agencies should comply with requests for data. And I will I will surprise you this week. I had okay, then let me mention this people. I had a meeting <laughs> with the particular officials, mm. education officials now. And in our discussion, because in the letter that I wrote, I quoted the FOI Act. Now they are telling me that just simply because of that chapter, that mm. particular paragraph that I quoted, they are going to put me through the whole process, process that before you get it. I'm telling you before I will not wow. get that data. That wow. I will write letters that this data they can give it to me, even unofficially they can give it to me. But now because I've quoted that, then mm. they will tell me to go to this agency, go to that agency, go to that agency. I'm like wow. So these are these these are the challenges. Unless government can enforce it more, build better cooperation between the federal and the state level, so you don't have to. So once a data is submitted at the federal level, you don't have to go back to the state again. You can just go to the federal level and get all the data that you need and work with it. So these are things. There needs to be this harmony between the federal um, officials and the state government officials then we can begin to harmonize data in Nigeria and make better policies, even for education in Nigeria. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Oriyomi. Uh, so while we wrap up this conversation, let's look at the future of um, Nigeria's education system, right? Now, recently, President Mamadou Buhari participated in the Global Education Summit on Financing Global Partnership for Education 2021 to 2025. Now, part of the pledge that was made by the federal government during the summit was that over the next two years, now emphasis on the next two years, Nigeria would increase its funding to education by as much as 50% and proceed to 100% in another five years. Now, Tolu, how feasible is this now, considering the economy and the present revenue generation strength of the nation? Some would say this is a laudable um, um, achievement, knowing fully well that Nigeria is committing um, to increasing the allocation to the education sector for the next two years. Mm. However, um, I know that Nigeria has been making commitments to this same sector on different uh, platforms. Um, So let's look at um, the UNESCO that says 26% of your budget, right? Should Mm -hmm. be channeled towards the education sector. There is an declaration that says 15 to 20% of your uh, budget allocation should be channeled towards the education sector, you know? Yeah. And now we're saying that we will increase this by 50% next year, <laughs> then the second year to 100%. I just read out, read out um, the releases. So it's not even about increasing um, or meeting all this commitment. So if you decide to say, oh, 
Nigeria is budgeting 26% or budgeting 40 or 50% to the education sector. It's about the releases. We need revenue to be able to fund the budget. If not, they will just be mere numbers on paper. Mm. I think for me, it's about the effectiveness of these resources. How are we using the little that we've been budgeting or the little that has been released? How are we using it as a nation? Have we seen that, oh, these little resources have been utilized well? And does that has that reduced the out-of-school children? As the quality of education in the country has it increased, is it still high or it is low? Or the um, graduates that we have, are they half-baked? So we're not pushing enough resources. Whether we make a pledge of 50% today, how achievable is this? It's our hope that federal governments make good of the promise, at least, you know, let's see where it takes us. But what aspect of education do you think needs additional funds right now? What are the things in the budget that are begging for projection of funds? Now let's have Obi Yomi for this. I'd like to do a background on mm. this funding that um, made President Buhari to say they are going to increase allocation by 50%, 50% in the first yeah. two years mm-hmm. and 100% in the next five years. Yeah. Now, President Buhari only has only one fiscal year remaining. Mm. So, yeah, beyond 2022, it does not have a say in 2023 of what's going to happen. So, what you have is a it's a political statement and it's still the same Nigeria. When we hear these things from this guy, we begin to build up hope that we should not be building up and facts speak for themselves. The trend is there. Mm. Um, for, as far as I'm concerned, President Buhari does not care about education. I, I like to be blunt. I don't know mm. why. One of those things why you, you need to now understand the platform in which he said that. He had to fly in as the president of a nation. Most times you can send your minister of education to represent your nation at that place and give your commitment. Now, mm. it's like um, UBEC funding, for example. So it is a way for developed countries to help some countries in Africa, like um, Nigeria, like um, Kenya, mm. to see how they can support their education sector, which is called the Global Partnership for Education. So what they do is they gather African leaders together. They also gather their um, um, European counterparts, which was actually hosted by um, the UK Prime Minister, that's Boris Johnson. Johnson. To actually see, yeah, to actually see if we are going to support you, what are you going to also do as a nation? And that was what made President Buhari to come out to say that in the next two years, it's going to increase education funding by 50%. And like Tolu mentioned earlier, it, throughout his tenure, you know, he has done between six to eight percent. Six to eight percent. So where is the fifty percent going to come? Because when I heard that statement for the first time, I'm like, wow, from where? So the antecedent is not there. So beyond those commitments of um, yeah. two years or five years. Five years is not possible because it's not going to be in power. It's not going to be here, yes. We should forget about, we should forget about whatever hundred percent they want to do. That's a politician statement. But <laughs> beyond that, the the developed countries actually allocated, which is the highest so far, 
125 million dollars to Nigeria in the next um I think five years now. In the next five years, they are going to give 125 million dollars to Nigeria to boost its education sector. Now, um, that one is sure they will give it to us. The one that is not sure is our own commitment. But we look at one of those things we now need to look at in the education sector in Nigeria today is the areas of urgent intervention. And when you look at it, I think I, I, I like to say that school facilities represent the first thing that every child will see. And education is about social mobility. It's about the ability of nations to bring the best brains from poor background, to mm. bring them into the middle class or even into the higher class in the society. And that is one of the reasons why education is important. So if we cannot motivate children in rural communities to go into the classroom and for some four or five hours forget that they are from a poor background, then right. we are not doing enough for them. So which is why it is important that we we actually prioritize school facilities. Let us see if the federal government can embark on massive renovation mm. of schools and not even wait for state governments for some time because we've seen that they will sabotage the process on the mm. long run. According to UBEC, there are 20,000 bad classrooms in Nigeria. In out of this funding, for example, the federal government can commit to maybe 5,000 schools, 5,000 classrooms or 10,000 classrooms within this five-year period, then it would have gone a long way to improve children's motivation to remain in the classroom, to reduce out-of-school children. Yeah. Another thing that you begin to see that is not a challenge, I like to call it artificial, but it's a challenge also, is security. Now, in terms of security, I think, for my own personal opinion, I feel like um, the federal government can build a central security system I don't know how we can manage that effectively, but if we can build it to monitor school facilities across the country, if that is possible, it's something we can try our hands on. Then there's this part of, um, we've talked about teachers. I know Tolu tried to talk about um, College of Education and um, Polytechnics, but if we can, especially mm -hmm. at a time when we are talking about STEM education, we're also talking about STEAM. STEAM is arts into STEM. So we're talking about STEM and STEAM. How are we preparing teachers? Are we training teachers to be able to deliver this pedagogy in the classrooms? So these are these things. We need to also allocate more funding towards teachers' training. Then um, you look at what COVID has done. COVID last year exposed a lot. For like six to seven months, children were school age children were at home. Yeah. Doing nothing. And at the point they were doing digital learning on radio. How effective was that? So I think COVID has taught us that the federal government also needs to look at how it can develop digital learning platforms, even for public schools, to <laughs> see how these platforms can be developed in case we have another pandemic like COVID-19 forever i think it's something they can look into even from this 125 million dollars then if we can move a little bit away from basic education we can also look at higher education and look at um, the continuous the recurring asu strike that is like a yearly thing now that asu must go on strike every year 
what if the federal government also do some bit of funding into uh, revitalizing some of these um, public universities? It, it goes a long way. It shows good faith that the government is serious about uh, boosting the education sector in Nigeria. And I think that, like these four or five areas, I don't know, one can be identified, but these four or five areas looks the ones that need urgent attention quickly and uh, we can use this funding for. Okay, thank you so okay. much, Ariomi. Tolo, do you have anything to just wrap up with, you know, recommendations for the next step so that at least let's guide our federal government in the right path? Yeah, so um, these funds will be coming in, yes. So without um, a work plan, it's, it's going to be business as usual. So yeah. we need to ensure that um, any fund will be receiving from the um, foreign governments as donors or grants or as even maybe loan that's going to support um, the education sector. We need to have a proper work plan, not just the work plan, there should be um, a, a monitoring framework that will enable um, CSOs, uh, um, interested um, individuals to be able to even um, ensure that there is enough transparency and government is accountable to these um, 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 resources that they are getting. So um, we know that almost everybody um, feels that every government is corrupt. They still have the good ones amongst them, but the major thing is for us to ensure that um, in whatever we do, we should prioritize education and the key thing again is we should invest a lot in data. The UBEC could tell you that, oh, the number of out-of-school children is 13.5. Tomorrow they will tell you it's 10.5. We need to do our own survey. So if somebody is not funding us, can we do it ourselves okay. in order for us to have the right data on board? How many schools do we have in the country, public schools now? Even the private, how many private schools do we have? So that we will know the number of students in the primary school, number of students in the secondary school. Because if you don't have this data, how do you plan for them? So you want to get teaching aids. Do you know the number of teachers? How many teachers do you have in the public school? Even at the state level, does the SUBEB have all this information? You know, those are the things we need to spend our own. And this data should be accessible to everybody yeah. so that we can even even if the private sector wants to fund or support the government in ensuring that oh the educational sector um is better than where it is now thank you right, thank you thank you me briefly education will work when citizens begin to demand that the government prioritize it also and um one thing we must understand is education is a cornerstone of national development and until we can get that right, we might not get a lot of things right. So some of my recommendations, my final thoughts here is um, we need to begin to want develop where we want to go as a nation and education will help us to achieve that if we can develop an action plan that points towards that. So it's important that we begin to also, as citizens, as organizations, begin to demand from the federal government that it implements 
an action plan, a ministerial strategic plan in the education sector. And I believe if we can implement this very well and monitor it effectively and call out their gaps wherever it is, then we would have achieved a lot to address majority of these issues that we are facing. And if we can shout about it enough, then yeah. I believe on some extent there will be commitment from the government officials. Well, thank you so much, Uriyami. Uh, many thanks to you, Tolu Tokwe. Thank you. It was an interesting conversation. And I mean, I believe this is a good place to draw the curtain on this one. Well, the conversation still continues on our social media pages. On Facebook, it's at Budget NG. On Instagram, it's also Budget NG. <laughs> Until when we see Twitter, it's also Budget NG. My name is Nancy Odemego. Until next time, do have a wonderful day.